of heights to the depths of the sea. So verse 6 of our text tonight, it says, So it was when they came that Samuel, he looked at Eliab, who was the oldest son. And in that culture, the, the oldest son, the firstborn, was the heir. He was the one who was to get the, the largest portion of everything. And so it would be very natural for Samuel to look at him. And he was the tallest, probably a good-looking guy. But even Samuel was still looking after the natural things. He was looking like he looked at Saul, like the whole nation looked at Saul. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Today in our study, Samuel was sent by God to Bethlehem to find the next king. It was the home of Ruth and Boaz from whom the family of Jesse descended. As Samuel looked at the oldest son of Jesse, he thought, hmm, this man surely looks like a king. This must be the one God will tell me to anoint. That's a good choice, God. Samuel saw a tall, good-looking young man who looked like he would be a great king and leader. Samuel made the same mistake of judging Eliab based on his appearance. This was the same mistake Israel made about their first king. We should always remember that God does not judge by outside appearance, but what he sees in a person's heart. Now let's join Pastor Rob. I mean, go right by Saul. So he's thinking, boy, I'd love to just go somewhere else. I don't want to face this guy. He's going to ask me, what are you doing? Oh, I'm going to go and anoint a new king. Remember, you were deposed. Thank you very much. I'm sure that's not going to fly very well. And Saul, because of his disobedience and self-will, he, 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 had, he had shown himself to become unhinged. He was unpredictable now, unstable. And whenever these signs begin to show in a man, that's pretty much the time that he needs to end. And oftentimes the Lord is going to call you out of something like that because you're not in a, in a right place. And certainly Saul was not in a right place at all. He had gotten to a, a place where he became un, very unpredictable. But anointing David was the reason for going to Bethlehem. And notice that God didn't tell him just to go, go there. And isn't it interesting that Samuel would say, I'm, I'm afraid of, for my life because of Saul. He's going to kill me. And God says, well, just uh, take a heifer and go sacrifice. Yeah, that's it. Go and have a sacrifice. You don't have to lie to him. You can tell him you're going to go there. And, and when you get there, I'll tell you what you need to do. In fact, in verse 3, he says, Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice. And notice, And I will show you what you shall do, and you shall anoint for me the one I named to you. Notice the order there. I think this is really interesting. First, invite Jesse to the sacrifice. That's, that's what Samuel's part was. Samuel, you go out and you just go. And notice it says when he told him to go to Bethlehem, he didn't argue with him. He went. He went. Saul would have argued, there's a better way to get there. I don't want to do it this week. I got busy, you know, I got to wax my car or something, you know. But he went, and he says, invite Jesse to the sacrifice. That's Samuel's part. And then God says, and while you're there, I will show you 
what you shall do. That's God's part. Do you see how they work together? You go, and you do this, and then I'm going to do this, and then what does he tell him? Tell him, and then you shall anoint for me the one I name to you. Very simple, isn't it? The instructions are very simple, and yet we make things so complicated. And Samuel, that's why he was such a good man. He was obedient. He just simply did what God had asked him to do. And now God was going to have his choice in the king. And notice that the sacrifice was not the main thing on the Lord's heart. It was to anoint king, anoint David as king. And the sacrifice was and is good, but you know what? The Lord is not so much concerned about the sacrifice as he was about his plan for Samuel going to begin with. Remember in, in uh, the last chapter that we looked at in, verse, in chapter 15, it says, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? He's more concerned about obedience than he is about the sacrifices. You know, oftentimes we think about the, the things that we have to do for God, and he's like, you know what, all I want you to do is very simple. Just believe what I tell you and be obedient. And yet that's the thing that we're not. That's the thing that we, we, we bristle against, that we bristle against. We, we, we want our own will done. And yet it's so very simple, and yet it's so elusive sometimes for people, for us. In Psalm 51, uh, a psalm of David, uh, David in verse 16 of Psalm 51 says, You do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. He could care less about the sacrifice. That's all fine and good. But I love the fact that God encouraged uh, Samuel's faith and says, You know what? Just go ahead and have a sacrifice there. And while you're there, I'll tell you what you should do. It's a nice way to get him out of trouble. And isn't God a God of mercy? Aren't you glad that he's a God of mercy, that he knows your frame? He knows your butt dust, right? He knows you're just dust. And he's willing to meet Gideon. If you look at Judges chapter 7, he's willing to meet Gideon with his frail faith. God is not so angry with you because of a lack of faith or a lack of trust yet. Believe me, the Bible says a you know, a, a, a broken reed, he will, you know, a bruised reed, he won't break, and a smoking flax, he won't quench. In other words, when you're feeling down and you don't really have it, God is not there to break you in half because of what you don't have. He wants to build you up. And yet the world around us, they, they, don't, they know nothing of that. And the world around you could care less, honestly. God want, that's what God wants to do. He wants to build you up. He doesn't want to beat you. He doesn't want to make you feel guilt-ridden. He doesn't want to pound you into submission. Far from, the, far from the, you know, the contrary. He wants to bless your life. And it really is a blessing to serve the Lord. It's a blessing to know him. He wants to know, he already knows you, but he wants you to get to know him. And he wants to bless your life. That's his main thing. So Samuel, verse 4, did what the Lord said and he went to Bethlehem. How? So simple. He did what God said. Go figure. And see, that's something that I need to do. And I want to encourage you to do when God speaks to your heart. Or maybe he speaks to you in, in the word about something. You know, you have a conscience. You were born with a conscience. Oftentimes, you know what the right thing to do is. You just don't want to do it. 
And let me suggest to you that when you have that sense that you're supposed to do something and you know what's right to do it, always do the right thing. Always do the right thing. Regardless, God is faithful to fix whatever else happens if you are doing the right thing according to his word. Does that make sense? It's easy to say, and it's hard to do in practice. That's why you need the Spirit of God. That's why you need the Holy Spirit upon you. I need that too, and you need it too. Are you praying for the Spirit of God to come upon you? You may have the Spirit of God in you. You may be saved. You may be a born-again believer. But believe me, that's just the beginning. We need the Spirit of God poured out on us to, to embolden us, to make us witnesses, to give us boldness. We need that to tell people the truth. Boy, the truth sometimes is hard to speak. You know what I'm talking about. It's easy to tell a lie. In fact, that's why lies are told. It's easy. Temporarily until they find out. And now you've got to spin a new web to cover up that lie. And then you've got to spin up another web to cover that lie. Isn't it better just to tell the truth even if it hurts? I love it when somebody tells me the truth, even if it hurts. Just give me it. Just tell me. Don't sugarcoat it. Just tell me what it is. Do you desire to... Do you, do you, like, do you like people lying to you? I don't like people lying to me. I'd rather them tell me the hard thing. Because that's how I grow. That's how you're going to grow. If we lie to each other, we're no different than the world. Don't lie to each other. Say the truth in love. There's the key, there's the key to it. In love. Share the truth. Say the truth in love. See, the problem is we don't always do that. We share the truth in bitterness. We share the truth and bitterness. So Samuel did what the Lord said, and he went to Bethlehem, and the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Do you come peaceably? And again, notice uh, Samuel didn't argue. He went. And God is seeking men and women today who love him and are willing to be obedient to him. Are you obedient to the Lord? Or just when it suits you? And as I point my finger out at you, I've got three or six of them pointing right back at me because the same thing is true for me. Am I willing to be led by the Spirit? Samuel was. God just says, go, and I'll tell you what to do when you get there. Sounds like what he said to Abraham. Abraham, leave your country and go to, go to a land that I'll show you. Well, where do I go? Just get moving, and I'll tell you. Okay. No roadmap, Lord? No, just get moving. I'll steer you. Don't worry. I'll tell you. And he does. And he gets right to the place where God has him to be. That's hard. Because we want to be in control. I want to be in control. Believe me, if you're a Christian and you're a control freak, you're going to have a very tough time. Because there's two wills, yours and God's. And God's not going to wrestle with you. He'll work with you and he's, he loves you and he's going, to, he's going to break you if you're willing to be broken. But if you're so stubborn like a mule, you're digging your feet in, you're going to have a tough time. You're going to have a tough time. And your life's going to be a wreck and a mess. Why would you want that? But Saul was willing to be led by the Spirit. And that's what, that's what worship is. Part of worship is a sacrifice. But obedience is worship because you're submitting yourself. You're believing in the one who told you to do something. You believe in what he says. And you simply follow it regardless. You don't ask a bunch of questions. You simply do it. And the men were terrified. 
When a prophet came into your town in those days, typically it wasn't a very good thing. He was either going to come and bring a message of warning or even judgment. We see that in the book of Jonah. Remember when he went to Nineveh? What did he tell the Ninevites after, after being regurgitated from this large fish, a whale we presume? He comes in, his skin is all bleached from the acid of the stomach of this fish. He finally walks into the city after he changed his mind in the belly of the whale. <laughs> he goes into the city and what does he tell them? Forty days and you're getting yours. That's what he tells them. You're toast. 40 days. I did my part. I'm out of here. That was kind of his attitude. That's what happened when a prophet came into the town. So they said, are you coming peaceably? In verse 5, he said, peaceably. I'm not going to call down fire yet. (laughs) I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And notice, he consecrated or set apart Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. Consecration means set apart. God wants to consecrate you and me. He wants to set us aside. What did he say? He says, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Out from a crooked and perverse generation, right? He said that to Babylon, the people of Babylon. We see it in the Bible in, uh, as we look forward in the, the Babylon that's coming in the, in the future yet, as we are in Revelation. He consecrated Jesse and his sons. We're going to see in a couple chapters that Jesse had eight sons. In fact, in 1 Samuel 17, it says he had eight sons, and the man... Uh, Jesse was old, advanced in years, in the days of Saul. And the three oldest sons of Jesse had gone to follow Saul to the battle. The names of his three sons who went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn, next to him, Abinadab, and the third, Shammah. And we don't hear about what the other three or four guys, what their names are. But finally, we get to the very eighth, and David was the youngest, and the three oldest followed Saul. So verse 6 of our text tonight, it says, So it was when they came that Samuel, he looked at Eliab, who was the oldest son. And in that culture, the, the oldest son, the firstborn, was the heir. He was the one who was to get the, the largest portion of everything. And so it would be very natural for Samuel to look at him. And he was the tallest, probably a good-looking guy. But even Samuel was still looking after the natural things. He was looking like he looked at Saul, like the whole nation looked at Saul. Wow, he's so big and beautiful, and his his golden locks. You know, I mean, he probably looked like Fabio, I mean, this guy. He just, you know, the the beautiful hair and the flowing hair, just kind of, you know, like that, and it just kind of swishes. I could have a lot of fun with that. But Samuel looks at this eldest son of Jesse, and he's thinking to himself, this must be the guy. This must be the guy. Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. And it was natural for Samuel to look at him that way, because that's the way he looked. they looked uh, at, uh, at, at Saul to begin with. But David was so different. David was so different than Saul. We'll see in, in 2 Samuel chapter 5, when we get to 2 Samuel, that David wasn't the kind of man who was self-willed. He was a man who was governed. He loved God. He loved him, and he was willing to be obedient to him. 
In fact, in 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 17, it says that when the Philistines, when this is going forward when David was king, when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David over king of Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David, and David heard of it, and he went down to the stronghold, and the Philistines also went out and deployed themselves in the valley of Rephaim. And notice what David did. David inquired of the Lord. This is something we really didn't see Saul do too much. But David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, Go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines in your hand. And so it goes on and it says that David um, uh, goes against them again. And normally you'd think, well, just do the same thing again. Right? You don't need to inquire this time. God's going to give you the victory again, right? But what does David do? Does he just presume upon God? Or does he ask, inquire of him again? And he does. He doesn't take anything for granted. And see, this is a man after God's own heart. This is a man who loves the Lord. He's willing to be obedient, unlike Saul. Saul wasn't an obedient man. He was a self-willed man. But David was of a different character. It says, Then the Philistines went up once again and deployed themselves in the valley of Rephaim. And therefore David inquired of the Lord again. And he said, Shall I go up? Or, and then the Lord, the Lord told him, You shall not go up, but circle around behind them and come upon them in front of the mulberry trees. And it shall be when you hear the sound of the marching in the tops of the mulberry trees, a sound that supernaturally God was going to bring, then you shall advance quickly, for then the Lord will go out before you to strike the camp of the Philistines. And so David did so. Notice, he, he did it. It sounded crazy to him. He's never had anything like that happen before, but he was a man under authority, and he knew that. And he's willing to submit himself. And I want to encourage you to be patient with the Lord. Be patient and wait upon him. Because impatience, ambition, it'll not only shorten your life, but it'll make your short life miserable. If you are unwilling to be patient and to wait But verse 7 says, back in our text, The Lord said to Samuel, Don't look at his appearance or at his physical stature. The Lord didn't mince words. He wasn't looking for a Saul 2.0. He wasn't looking for anything like that. God was going to pick the most unlikely of Jesse's sons. Not the oldest, not the best looking. And again, it's very natural to size things up. That's what we do as Americans. We do it every day and we don't even realize it. We judge by the outward, by, by, by the outward picture that we see. Very seldom do we walk by faith. We size everything up in the flesh and the natural. I can tell who you are based on how you're dressed. I know, you know, you, we, we tend to do that. We tend to look at people and pigeonhole them because of where they're at, how, they're, how they look how much money they make, what are they driving. We automatically come to these conclusions, and you've got to be careful you don't judge a book by its cover. And that's really the message for tonight, because we're going to see that you know, Samuel's standing before Jesse's sons, and you know, he's looking at all these sons, you know, the lineup, and he's looking at the taller. This must be the one. He looks, kind of looks, looks like Saul. God didn't, have, um, God didn't have anybody in mind but David. In Jeremiah 17, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Do you find that's true of your own heart? It's true of mine. 
I'm just desperately wicked. I need Jesus. Do you need Jesus? I need him, even though I know him, and I know his spirit indwells in me, and I hope he does you. I need him. I can't go on a, a, I can't go on a vacation. I need him every single day of my life. I need the assurance in my heart that I'm a child of God, and he gives that to me. I want to I hear from him as I read his word every day. Get into a healthy, holy habit of reading every day systematically, through the Bible, even if you don't understand it. Don't worry about your understanding, okay? Just read through it. Get to know him and pray and say, Lord, help me to understand what this is. David, speaking to Solomon in the latter part of his years, the the Lord said to Solomon in 1 Chronicles 28, verse 9, he says, The Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intent of the thoughts. So David as he is old and his son Solomon is very young, he's sharing that with him, preparing him for being a king and and providing all the materials necessary to build this great temple. Because God says, David, you can't build the temple, but your son can build the temple. And so David's like, well, if I can't build it, I'm going to make everything ready for my son, that when he's old enough, he's going to have everything ready. All he's got to do is implement. Even the very plans of the temple were given to David by the Spirit, it says, which I think is really interesting. God gave him. And then when Solomon was older and he began to, he built the temple and he dedicated it. I love what it says as he's praying there, dedicating this thing. Long, his father had already passed away, David. He's standing before the temple praying. And what does he say? And this is in 1 Kings 8, verse 38. Whatever prayer, whatever supplication is made by anyone, and he's praying to God before all the people of Israel as they're standing before this beautiful structure, Whatever prayer, God, whatever supplication is made by anyone or by all your people, Israel, then when each one knows the plague of his own heart and spreads out his hands toward this temple, here it is, then here in heaven, your dwelling place, and forgive and act and give to everyone according to all his ways, whose heart you know, for you alone know the hearts of all the sons of men. I love that. He knows us intimately. I don't even know myself, but God knows And you think, you might think that you know yourself, but aren't you betrayed by that when you find yourself in a situation that you didn't know how you'd respond and all of a sudden it happens kind of spontaneously and you respond and act in a way that kind of betrays how you thought you really felt about something? It's part of growing, isn't it? (laughs) It's kind of like the Lord taking the mask off and saying, oh, you talked a big game. You know, you said you were all this, and if this happens, man, Lord, I'm going to be right there. And then he allows you to come into a situation like that, and you find yourself, you know, tucking your tail and running away. We don't even know ourselves, but God knows. I'm so glad my, I'm in this palm of his hand. Aren't you glad that you're in the palm of his hand? You don't have to worry. So Jesse called Abinadab, now this is his second eldest son, and made him pass before Samuel. And and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. So Samuel is just going to go right down the line, right down the line. Have you, you know, the Lord is speaking to him as his sons are being passed before him. You know, it's probably like some kind of, I don't know, I, I kind of imagine like a little runway, you know. Samuel's sitting there on his staff, and these guys are walking along, and Samuel's going to go, hmm, yeah, could be, Lord, what do you think? No, I haven't chosen him. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Samuel. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.